Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Um, but I am excited to say that Priscilla is going to be joining me on stage. So would you come? Wycliffe, um, we're going to, I'm Mike 2. She's going to have Mike 3. And then I'm going to invite Trevor to come, who's going to be our host for this morning. And um, we thought it would be a good idea to uh, give you a glimpse into life. Priscilla and I are normal people. Uh, Many of you might think that we are super normal um, or supernatural. And the reality is we we have issues, we struggle, uh, whether it's relationships, whether it's in our workplace, whether it's with children and parenting, um, whatever the case may be. So today is just uh, you kind of sitting in on a conversation, getting a glimpse into what it means to live this kind of life and live for Jesus all in the process. And so I'm going to hand the reins over to Trevor, and you take it away. For better or for worse. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Hope you guys are well this morning. Um, yeah, so John asked me to uh, interview them this morning. Um, we'll see whether that was a good idea after the facts. Um, just full disclosure, so John is a first cousin to my wife. So if I ask any tough questions, I, uh, I might not hear from, uh, from Uncle Tony, but I might hear from my mother-in-law, so we'll see how that goes. And specifically, the questions that I chose to uh, ask this morning are things that I figured Pastor John wouldn't naturally address on a regular Sunday morning or, or on a Friday, Friday night. So um, in case you're wondering why there aren't any deep uh, theological questions here, that's the reason why. Um, but just to kind of break the ice, one at a time, if you can tell me three quick facts about the other person um, that, that maybe we don't, uh, wouldn't naturally know about, about you guys. I'm a gentleman, so ladies go first. <laughs> and Priscilla... Okay, so um, in thinking about this, I would say, number one, Jonathan was, I'd say, a mama's boy. He was very close to his mom. So um, after she did pass away, I think that left a bit of a a big void, but uh, sometimes I still see glimpses of that. So I'd say, number one, he was really close to his mom. Number two, um, he is self-taught. He teaches himself a lot. So he taught himself how to play guitar, bass. Would I say drums too? Yes or no? Yeah, drums, uh, coding, uh, graphic design, like all, like everything. So he he does, you know, all of that. So he is self-taught, and I would say something I learned maybe the hard way is that he's not a mind reader. So that's something I learned I, when we first got married. I assumed he could read my emotions and my facial expression, so but he, so he's a man. That's what you're so saying. So yeah, I, I basically that's when I started to learn. Uh, gender differences, but yes, he's not a mind reader, so if I need something done or if I'm feeling something, I need to be specific and spell it out and let him know what I'm thinking, so those three things. All right. Share some thoughts about Priscilla. There's a lot I could say, uh, but I'll limit it to three. Number one, she is a wealth of resource, and she would never admit it, which is why I'm forcing her to sit here this morning. Because I think she has a lot to offer, but she doesn't uh, think that of herself, number one. Number two, if you really get to know her, she is super witty. 
almost so witty that I don't get it at first. Uh, and it takes a little bit of time to process. And then uh, I realize you're a genius. God gifted you so wonderfully and beautifully. And then also there's a creative side to Priscilla that I'm, we're starting to tap into together kind of at home with, you know, what can we do in this space and just trying things. And uh, I've been really inspired by your ability to create. So those are three th short things. Great. So uh, your families. So just, again, wanting, wanting to go through some of this stuff uh, quickly. But uh, So Priscilla, you have three siblings? Yeah. Two brothers and a sister. Um, both of your parents are alive, which yep. is awesome. And your your mom just retired and is taking care of Nathan now. Yeah. Um, through the day. Um, what else? Is there anything else about your family that is unique that maybe would be helpful for us to know? Um, I don't know about unique, but um, I was brought up in the church. So my my father had gotten saved in his 20s. My mother was brought up in a Christian home, and so that is something that has been central to my upbringing. Um, my entire life. So, yeah. And John, your uh, father, Uncle Uncle Tony, he lives in uh, Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah. I was going to say Brantford. <laughs> and Aunt Cheryl, um, who is your stepmom. And when did your mom pass away? Your I was 23 in 2005. 2005. And that's obviously had a big impact on your life. Um, anything else? You got your, your two sisters. One sister's in Australia. One sister is in Brantford. Anything else about your family that we should know about? Sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I, too, was raised in the church. Um, my sisters and myself, one of the things, especially my mom, I'm sure my dad, too, prayed for was that we would be in ministry. And uh, I'll never forget when I was in youth and, and such, if I would come to the altar, my mom would always come around and I, I would hear her praying for me and crying. But her, her one desire was to see all three of her kids serving the Lord in ministry. And uh, I, I would say that that's actually happening and that's the case today for all three of us. So. And Priscilla, did you grow up uh, desiring to be a pastor's wife? <laughs> No, not entirely. It wasn't, uh, that wasn't, it wasn't really part of my plan, but I guess it somehow happened. Uh, yeah. Very good. And, and I should uh, um, note here, um, as most of you know, Pastor John hasn't been well for a little while. Um, but what's important for you to know is that he hasn't been well for a while, actually. Um, and I hate to break it to the church, um, but uh, it, it might cause some of you to leave. Um, but he is a Habs fan. <laughs> He's not a Leafs fan, unfortunately. Um, so try not to hold that against him. Um, but I, I got to know, if, if Carey Price was traded to the Leafs, would you, would you start cheering for the Leafs? Hands down, yes. A amen. <laughs> I would receive that. All right, let's get into some of the, 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 the meat here. Um, I want to cover a couple different topics um, and uh, just see how you guys kind of approach them in life um, and kind of come at them from a, a, an aspect of how you nurture each, how you protect each and how you manage conflict in, in each of them. So we'll see how that comes out. So let's, let's start with the topic of, of marriage um, to start. Um, my daughter Shiloh, she's six years old, um, recently asked my wife how old she needs to be to have a boyfriend. Uh, John, how many girlfriends did you have uh, growing up? And what was different about Pris? Do, do high school girlfriends count, like the one month kind of yes. thing? Okay. One. Two. So three before okay. Priscilla. Mm -hmm. 
and six most inches, of them six were like one month long so don't worry it was six six inches for jesus all the way or um this yeah was before you were saved yeah no i was a good boy it's good <laughs> in fact up. one of your girlfriends broke up with you because yes he... in high school grade nine this was the first one mm -hmm. we both attended the same church and uh one day my sister kind of knew like we were off or something was happening and she goes what, what ha what's going on she goes i broke up with your brother she's like why he was just too nice <laughs> and my sister's like okay uh, a little confused but yeah no i was a pretty mama's boy good boy so so when i met pris i i thought she hated me and then as i got to know her more i just realized that she's just an introvert like i am and now i actually seek her out <laughs> in a crowd um so i have to ask um, did you think she hated you as well when you first met her? And uh, what was different about Pris? No, I don't. I never thought she hated me, uh, because music is what kind of connected us. And I secretly knew that we were crushing on each other at one youth convention. <laughs> Very good. That's true. <laughs> All right, Pris. Should a girl pursue a, re a relationship with a guy, or is that all on the guy? Uh, I think. I think a lot of it should be on the guy. I think innately, girls like to be pursued, and I think innately, men like to pursue. I don't think it's wrong to try to work your magic a little, um, <laughs> but um, I think when a woman is pursued, um, it's uh, a good thing. It helps. That's good. That's good. And I would assume you would uh, advise JoJo the same way. Um, for either one of you, did you ask uh, the blessing of your parents on, on your relationship, on, on your marriage? And did the answer actually matter? Uh, I'll address this one. Yeah. Uh, the way I was raised is that it was an important thing. And um, so I told Priscilla when I was interested in pursuing a relationship, uh, I said, I first want to get to know you because I lived, I grew up in Montreal. Priscilla lived here in the GTA. And I said, it'll take... So I don't know how long it'll take in this interest phase before, but I said, before we become this thing called boyfriend and girlfriend, I said, um, I will speak with your father or your parents and uh, I will ask their blessing. And I, I meant it from the bottom of my heart. I said, and if he says no, I will pack up my bags and I will walk out of your life. I was dead honest. So what I didn't, so I, I, I had an arrangement with the parents to meet when Priscilla wasn't home. Um, and everything went really well. They were super kind, very, they asked me some questions, but overall they said, you have our blessing. Later on, what I found out was Priscilla spoke to her dad and said, Dad, Jonathan's going to come and he's going to talk with you. You better say yes. <laughs> True story. That's really, so it was an arranged marriage, is what you're saying. Uh, between us, maybe, sure. <laughs> so, okay, so Priscilla, so uh, talking about nurturing, in nurturing your marriage, what do you guys do uh, to ensure you continue to grow and, and strengthen your marriage as a couple? So we're in a different season of our marriage. We have young kids, we're busy, so we try to, at least at the end of the, I'd say at the end of the day, once the kids are in bed, just try to, check up on each other, see how our day was going, how... By check up, she means like check Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> no, just to see how, um, 
how we're doing individually and maybe even as a couple have some of those conversations. It might not be the best time because we are tired at the end of the day, but we try to do that. We don't get to go out on dates very often. I'd say once a year. <laughs> it's just it's the season that we're in right now, so we try to make the most of it at home. What does a date night look like if, if you were to actually go once a year? Restaurant <laughs> with no kids in an adult environment. Like I don't want to hear any... Any, any kids crying, I have enough of that. It's not McDonald's home. or anything like that. No, That's no. good. A little bit higher. But honestly, towards the end of that, it's like, oh, it's 7 o'clock. We should get home and pick up the kids yeah. and all of this stuff still. And, and you guys are okay with that? You're good with the season that you're in and yeah. you don't feel it's, it's awesome. Great. Um, John, uh, in terms of protection, how do you protect your marriage? What kind of boundaries have you guys set around uh, your relationship uh, just to make sure that there's no outside threats. That's great. Especially as a pastor. Yeah, um, there are a few things personally, and I'm not projecting these on anyone else. Uh, one of the things for our marriage is we said, we don't want a TV in our bedroom. Um, and then also whatever web access or anything like that, it's always in a public, like a living room and never in, in private or secret. Um, and then she has access to my computer. She knows the password. She can, you know, check whatever she wants and vice versa. Um, those are some things. If I'm meeting with somebody in my pastoral work, like I'm, having, I'm doing a meetup with a female and there's no other person, I'll do it in public um, most of the time. And then she'll definitely know my schedule and she'll know what time I'm meeting with uh, a female or, or anything like that. And then... Um, and we'll, we'll follow up, and she knows those kind of things. They're not, they're not secret in my own life. Those, for me, are the margins that we've created to avoid any potential risks or things of, of that nature in our marriage. And if, if you got a phone call, cell phone call or whatever from Chris, would you answer it right away, or, or uh, if you're in a meeting or something like that, would you wait? Uh, 50-50. It depends if I know we're waiting for a phone call from a doctor or something. Like, you know, I'll generally get that sense. Or if she calls back right away twice, then I'll take it as a sign of this is either she has like a quick 10-second thing to say or this is actually urgent. Very good. Priscilla, uh, in terms of conflict in marriage, what does a fight look like in the Mana household? And how does it end? That too has evolved. Um, good. I'd say when we first got married, um, I'm really good at the silent treatment. I'm really good. So I'd say we, there was a lot of that. <laughs> Again, I thought he was a mind reader, and he wasn't, so I had to learn that too. So um, there were times I'd go to bed angry, right? And um, so then uh, we decided to have conversations, heated conversations before going to bed because I didn't like going to bed angry. And that sometimes caused us to get more angry. So then we came up with this rule that we both agree that we won't have a discussion, heated discussion, after 10. Because then when you start to say things that you might regret, that you might not mean, and then it's harder um, to recover. 10 a.m. or? Uh, 10 <laughs> p.m. So. Um, Did you want to add anything to that, John? Um, no, I just, and I, yeah, one thing I'll add, I will add, is um, because of that 10 p.m. rule, we will invoke that if uh, we realize like this is a discussion that needs to be had. 
And oftentimes what we realize is in the morning when we wake up, um, what was such a big deal last night is actually more minimal. And we have a fresh perspective after we've had a bit of rest that we can actually have a normal discussion. So I know for myself, uh, especially whether it's uh, dealing with my kids or my wife, um, when I'm having uh, a bad day, um, I, sometimes I need a time out. So you would say that it is okay sometimes to let the sun go down in your anger, is that what you're saying? You're not letting it go down, you're just pressing pause. <laughs> That's how I would say. Um, because, so in the very beginning, she, like Priscilla alluded to, it evolved. In the beginning, it, I, I would say, I'd admit, the sun would go down on our anger. And, you know, I'd sleep facing that side, she would sleep facing that side. When we mutually now have this understanding and I invoke or she invokes the 10 p.m. rule, we're able to just kind of agree to discuss and breathe a bit and call that time out. So it's, we're not necessarily angry in that moment. Yeah, um, the, the argument becomes more rational than emotional. Yes. Yeah. Praise and Jesus. then I win. I like that. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. I, I, I need to know how it ended. So that would, I might have known the answer to that one. Um, Pris, what does John do that really annoys you? So I don't know if it's I don't know if it's intentional or not, but and I don't know again if this is a personality thing or if it's a gender. I really don't know if it's a gender thing, but he is um, really slow. He's very <laughs> slow, and so when things need to get done around the house, I expect it done immediately. Like if I ask right away, I really want it done immediately, and it doesn't get done. Um, so I've learned to write lists, and he's really awesome with lists. And I remember one time have, I was really frustrated that you weren't doing anything that I had asked. So then I gave him this list. And he conquered the list in like two hours. And then it got me more angry because then I was like, I should have given him more. <laughs> so, um, but him being slow and methodical really helps when we're stressed, when I'm stressed or have um, an issue like that I'm struggling with. So. He's my calm in my storm. So it works both ways, but it is frustrating. Yes. <laughs> and John, same question. Is there, I, I mean, Priscilla is amazing, so I, I, it'd probably be hard to find, but what's, what really annoys you about uh, Priscilla? Okay, I'll be very short and succinct. Um, every single morning, doesn't matter if it's Monday or Saturday, she, it's like 6.30 in the morning, we finish breakfast, she's like, okay, let's go, we got, we got so much to do today. Every single day is, let's go, because we have so much to do today. And I get frustrated because, you know, I, make, I usually make breakfast for all four of them. So I'm the last person to sit down, I'm the only one who drinks coffee, and it's like, I just started sipping my cup, and I'm the kind of person that, after I've served everyone, I just want to enjoy it warm. Um, so to say, let's go, we got to get dressed. I'm like, can I just finish the coffee? <laughs> and that's all I want to say. Very good. On that note, let's, uh, let's move on. Um, let's talk about finances. Um, and, and in terms of nurturing, so all that we have is God's. Um, God has given each one of us a portion to take care of and to steward well. Um, what principles and practices do you abide by so that one day you'll hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant, either one of you. Okay. 
in the beginning, when we first met, uh, before I knew, knew Priscilla, um, I had negative $1,000 to my name. I borrowed the money from my dad just to drive here to, to see her. Um, Priscilla didn't know that, so I just like, let's go out to eat, let's, uh, you know, gas up the car, everything was good, good, uh, in that sense, but I had negative $1,000, um, so we were somehow different in that sense, because Priscilla had a strong concept of what it means, the value of money, to save money, um, she graduated U of T debt-free, uh, worked hard to do that, Whereas, you know, basically everything that came in, I was able to let go of easily because I didn't really hold on to money. And so I would give money to people, to people who needed it. Uh, I would pay for people, but I had nothing to my name either. So that was the beginning of it. Uh, as we developed, just repeat your question so I make sure I stay just, on. What principles and practices do you, do you have now? To... So that was the beginning. Um, together, we've, we've evolved and we've grown to the point where, um, as a husband and wife, we will never rob God of the tithe, um, the generous uh, portion that we give back to God, because we want to include God in our finances. And we feel that, uh, you know, if as we give faithfully when times are good, when times are bad, we're still going to give faithfully. So nothing should change based on circumstance. We continue to give. We've seen, because of that principle, even through the overflow campaign, um, because by nature I'm more of the, the giver, Priscilla has uh, always been more of the saver. Um, when it comes now to giving to God, she oftentimes will just say, whatever you feel, the Holy Spirit's saying, she goes, you decide. Um, I know that sometimes makes it hard for me. Uh, and then when I tell her the amount, she gulps sometimes. But we've come to the realization that you can never outgive God either. So in this area, um, we've given more in the last year that she's been on mat leave than we have in our whole entire lives. And we've never lacked a thing. In fact, we have more savings than we've ever had before. You know, when we look at the numbers, it just doesn't make sense to us. But that's just, the, we say, God, you're so good. Amen. So that's kind of our principle around money is uh, before the bill, we say, God, the first 10 is yours regardless. That's good. And then above and beyond what we choose to give him. Uh, in terms of protecting your finances, uh, Priscilla, do you have any boundaries that you guys have in place? Do you follow a budget uh, or do you make one? Do you, f do you actually stick to it? How does that work for you guys? Yeah, we have a budget and uh, sometimes... Our credit cards are maybe a little higher if he likes to go to McDonald's for his morning coffee. But um, besides that, <laughs> quite often, um, no, we have Sorry, a budget. Was there something else that annoys you about John? <laughs> well, we have a coffee machine at home. I don't know why he needs another coffee, but that's another topic. Um, yeah, no, we have a budget. We stick to it, and and in the budget, like he said, we've we allocate our tithes and offerings. Um, you know, even education for our kids, and we've do try to live within our means. And, um, and that's, sometimes that's hard because you see people around you in bigger homes, fancier cars, but at the end of the day, um, we're debt free, except for our mortgage, but, and I'm proud of that because it's, it's a lot of hard work. Yeah. It is a lot of hard work. And so we want to be good stewards of that. What does uh, a financial fight 
look like for you guys and how do you resolve it? Is there somebody that makes the last, the final decision? Is that something that was agreed on? Well, yes, on, because or? I've always had the budget. Like, I've always had a budget, whereas Jonathan said he was very generous. And so mm -hmm. that's kind of where we had to work as a couple is get him on the budget, and then he stretched me by becoming a bit more generous. Great. So we've, we have our strengths, and we've been working And that's something together. that you've agreed between the two of you to, yes. to work. That's great. All right, shifting gears to parenting. So in terms of, obviously, you guys have three kids. How old are they? What are their ages? Josiah is five. Uh, Abigail is, Josiah is turning six in October, like in two weeks. So he's like, I'm six. Like, not yet. Uh, Abigail is three and a bit. And then Nathan just turned one in August. So five, three, one. Five, three, one. And what are you guys doing to raise your kids in a way that one day uh, they'll make the choice to follow Christ? What are some practical ways that you try to do day to day? Um, so for us, um, this decision that we've made has nothing to do with him being involved in ministry, but something that we decided way before all of that, um, we bring our kids to church every opportunity that we have, even if it's a sacrifice. Fridays are really hard. I bring them by myself because he's already here. It's, it is hard for me after a long week driving with three kids, and some need naps, some need you know, nighttime and whatever, but we do our very best to make sure that they come out to Friday nights um, to kids club, especially for Josiah. Um, and the other thing... Why? Why is that important? I think it's important for him to have community at a young age and then make those connections and to grow um, with his peers that way. So the other thing that I've, I strongly believe is what we saw this morning with the youth, with worship. I don't say that they're the next generation. They are this generation. Just like I'm this generation, just like my parents who are retirees are this generation. I think when we have this mentality that, oh, I've done my time, now it's the younger generation. It, that's not how the church was created and designed to work. I think we all have unique giftings and we need to be using our talents. And so even for my son, who doesn't necessarily know what to do, I always try to encourage him to do something. If it means holding the signs, you know, welcome to church, like, something like that. Like, I just want to see my children involved. Um, and that's how I started off. My mother really wanted me to sing. She dedicated all of us to the Lord. And I was singing on stage uh, when I was four. That was the first time she put me on stage um, to do ministry and singing. So, for me, I want my kids to be involved. And I think no greater way than when they're young. We also try to surround them with good resources. And so a really awesome resource, if you're not aware, is Right Now Media that the church offers. It's an incredible resource. Instead, so instead of our kids watching YouTube Kids or any other programs that on, a, on a device, Netflix, which they still do, but they go to Right Now Media. And it's free to the church if you'd like. It's westernroadchurch.com to get information. It's all Bible-based Christian programs. So we'd like to fill them with that. And I think the last resource that I'm very passionate about, and we share this with pre-marriage coaching, is uh, a ministry called Focus on the Family, and it's something that I grew up with, and we do it for our kids too, but they receive every month a magazine subscription, and it comes from a biblical perspective, and it talks about, you know, Bible stories, fun activities, yeah, adventures and odysseys in our van all the time. Um, if you don't know what that is, it's like a radio drama, and it's all, again, Bible-based character building um, stories, and we listen to that all the time. When I pick up Josiah from school, uh, and he comes and I say, hey, babe, how was your day? He's like, good. Can you put on adventures? 
I'm like, okay, that's great. So it's always Adventures in Odyssey. So we just try to surround them with good quality stuff. That's awesome. John, I'll, I'll address this question to you. Um, a change of uh, age in terms of children, but I've heard s stories from parents who have grown children um, who may not be serving Christ. Um, and there tends to be a, a great deal of grief and sometimes even guilt around that um, that, I've, that I've seen in these people when they share their stories. Um, what would you say to those who have children who are, are not serving Christ? I would say if you've raised them in the ways of the Lord, like just for, by way of example, um, my teen boys Sunday school class when I was 10 years old, we were almost 10 boys in that class. Of that whole class, I think myself and one other friend are still in the church. So that's what, 20% out, out of that whole class. Um, so I, I, I believe strongly for myself, I'm here because of my mother's prayers and my father's as well. So if you've done as a parent your best to train up your child, as the scripture says, in the way that they should go. When they are older, they shall not depart from it. Even if you don't see them in church, don't give up. Uh, because before your child was ever considered your child, they were God's first. And uh, I, I truly believe no matter where they go, God doesn't lose track of where they're at. And I, I truly believe like that story of the prodigal son, it uh, doesn't matter if they've wasted everything in life away. There's still an opportunity for God to redeem them, to call them back home. And uh, I truly believe that it's never over. It's never over. Um, so I would just say continue to pray. Continue to give that burden to God. And continue to love your child. You know, if, if you only see them for Christmas or Easter or whatever, love on them. Don't, don't treat them like, oh, you're the distant child because you walked away from the faith. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's true. And guess what? For our children, uh, as long as they're, they're wanting to live at home, and I pray that they stay as long as they can because um, I enjoy having our kids home, uh, I'll say this is what we do as a family. If you want to do differently, you can either pay rent or find your own place to live. Uh, it's tough love, but this is what we're going to do under this roof. You don't get to call the shots. We do. But if they ever walk away and it's their decision, I will love them unconditionally um, and not treat them like a, a, a distant child or a, a castaway or something like that. That's good. Thank you. Uh, Priscilla, what does uh, discipline look like in your household in terms of conflict and parenting? So that... Um has evolved as well. Um, you have to really know your child's personality and what works for them and what doesn't. So with Josiah, he's obviously almost six, Jonathan was saying, but before one technique, you know, we would try the whole, um, we tried timeout, we tried go to your room, tried, you know, um, discipline. And for him, what is effective, and he hates, is timeout. So knowing that, in our, like, you can get frustrated and want to you know, lash out to them or yell at them, but it doesn't bother him. It, what bothers him is time out, being away from the family. Whereas with Abigail, she really does not like when you um, raise your voice. She'll say, I don't like the way you're making me feel. She will say that. And so just knowing your child's personality and realizing that not every child 
deals well with the same discipline, right? So knowing your child and finding discipline that's effective for their personality. Right, and John, you had noted that uh, you beat your kids up. Um, did you want to add to that? I, can we correct and rephrase that? I, I wake up earlier than my kids. I said that two or three weeks ago. <laughs> um, no, I think something that we've learned is um, we try to stick to it as much as possible is don't interfere um, because if Priscilla is dealing with Josiah and his tendency is I want to go to the other parent and try to get my way still, I have to make sure, and this is where Priscilla needs patience with me sometimes, because if I'm not in present in the mind to, to pick up what's going on, he'll come to me and say, Dad, can I have orange juice? And I'll be like, did you eat your lunch? Okay, I'll say, sure. Meanwhile, she said no, so, he's, so I have to be more cognizant and not interfere with uh, something that she's, but rather compliment and reinforce. Um, and Priscilla is more the nurturing type of mommy. You know, let me, come here, come here, I'll pick you up. Oh, did daddy scare you? Did he scream at you? Right? And, and that's not necessarily helpful either. If, if I'm trying to uh, instill something and teach in that moment, um, that cannot actually undo. So we're, we're learning in that together because each child is different and then uh, make sure we're complementing in the discipline aspect and not um, interfering. Very good. All right, leading in ministry, um, obviously you're a pastor. You're a lead pastor now. Um, John, what are some of the things that you do to ensure you continue to, to grow and develop as a leader? How are you nurturing that? and in particular as lead pastor of this church? Yeah, it, it changed significantly. If uh, you weren't around a few years ago, I was the worship pastor, worship and young adults. So what I was actually studying and learning on a week-to-week -week basis, in, you know, because music is very technical with instruments and, you know, the soundboard lighting system, I, I, you know, I would listen to more of those kind of podcasts and read more of those type of articles. And then when I became the lead pastor, that had to change because I'm dealing with a whole other thing called leading people, um, which was what I was doing before, but to a, a new level. And so uh, what's been helpful for me uh, in staying in step with kind of uh, where leadership is at today in the church are some podcasts. Uh, there's one called the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Another one is by Andy Stanley, uh, Leadership Podcast. So those have been very helpful because, uh, you know, in the GTA we commute quite a bit. You know, half hour to 45 minutes is somewhat of a normal drive. So I can almost get an episode listened to on the way in and then one on the way back. Um, then also audiobooks help a lot because I'm, I'm on the go quite a bit. So to actually have time to sit down and actually read through a physical book has become difficult with young children and all of that. So audiobooks have also been very helpful to me in the last year and a half, I'd say. Um, and, and I've been able to digest uh, leadership content that way. And then the third one would be attending conferences. Whereas before I would look for the worship conferences where they're teaching you more about this kind of stuff. Um, the, the leadership conferences have been super helpful. There was one this past June called the Canadian Church Leaders Conference uh, hosted up in Barrie. So it was somewhat local. 
and uh, you're, you're in a room filled with other pastors and leaders in churches and just iron sharpening iron, hearing from speakers, um, those for me have been super, super helpful in terms of leadership in the church. That's great. Um, Priscilla, in terms of uh, protecting ministry, um, and in particular, protecting your family, what boundaries have you and John put in place to protect your family from the stresses of ministry life? Um, so one thing I think we both learn from our families, and it, it is hard, but we try not to talk about um, issues in front of our children. I don't want them to have a negative um, view of church or of ministry, so we try not to talk about it. It's not always easy, but um, we try not to talk about you know, how did the service go, or how did this, or is this working, is this not, in front of our kids. We try to keep that for nighttime. Um, and as well, we try to set aside Saturdays just for family. It's, it's busy because that's my only day to do groceries and to clean, so that's kind of our morning, but then we try to keep our afternoon just as family time because every week is different. Jonathan might be here, you know, sometimes a Tuesday night or Wednesday night. We're here Fridays, so we try to dedicate and do something together as a family. And my kids actually really enjoy being home. They're always like, we're always out, we're always out. So they love just playing in the basement. They like to just watch a movie. Like, for them, that's what really um, is meaningful for them. So we, that's what we try to do, be cognizant of, we've been too busy, we need to do some family time. So, John, did you want to add anything to that? Is there anything specific that you... Um, whether it's not answering my texts on Monday or uh, whatever it might be. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just um, like on that vein of like texting or reaching me. If it's a Saturday, I'm going to do my best to, um, to not really answer the phone. Uh, sometimes I just don't even hear it because it's on vibrate or do not disturb. Um, and, and because if I don't do it, I'm never going to have time with my family. It's not that I don't love the church or the people. Um, if it's an emergency, well, as soon as I see it, if there's a message, I usually will listen to it. Um, but I'll, I'll gauge that. If it's uh, something serious, then I'll answer. Um, and then just trying to make church a fun experience for our own kids on a typical Sunday uh, when Priscilla leads worship, like we're here from 8 a.m. until 10.30 when service starts. So my kids have already been here two and a half hours. So to expect them to sit through the whole worship or stand and participate, they're, they're already tired. Um, and then to leave here by 1 o'clock. So they've done almost a full day at church with us by 1 p.m. when we leave. So um, how, like we're asking the question, how can we pay it back to them so that it's not um, it's just a long day, right? So when we get home Sunday afternoons, we have lunch as a family, and then we'll try to spend also that Sunday afternoon together and just, you know, very chill uh, and relax because the pace is always high, high energy, move, go, go, go. Um, like, like we try to Saturday and then Sunday afternoon, just slow it down a bit. Good. Uh, conflict and ministry. Um, John, in a regular job, uh, to openly criticize your leader would be un unheard of. Uh, yet in ministry, criticism and disagreement is sometimes a, a weekly event. Um, understanding that, uh, of course, you're the only, only staff member, but that's a little different. Um, how do you handle the constructive and not so constructive criticism? 
Um, how does it impact you as a human being? And how do you take the good and leave the bad and not become cynical? Great, great question. Um, and I pray that you, you hear my heart on it as a church. Is uh, I value feedback and I, I need it. Oftentimes, I'm thankful for our church leadership, the board. Uh, when we have our board meetings, that's a time where we get to talk, where they are free. I mean, they can do it anytime with me. Um, but I, I value the feedback of our leadership at church and of leaders who serve in ministries. I, I need to know how you're doing. But in regards to how I'm doing, um, I've also learned at the same time, as much as I value it, not all of it is helpful. Um, and so you do learn to develop a bit of a thicker skin. Uh, this is something that my wife, like she, you know, as a, a spouse, as a partner, wants to, if ever that happens, she takes it way more personally than me. Um, and I've learned, I've been in ministry over 10 years, but, but I had a conversation with um, Hugo Tulpin. He's a, a guest speaker that we had here a number of years ago. If, if you need a reference point or a visual, he had the white uh, mullet, white hair, but the mullet style. And, um, and what, we were just having a, a phone call one day, and he just wanted to encourage me in the ministry. This was the time of transition, I think, in 2015. And it's something that I really held on to. And he said, listen, as a general statement, he goes, there will always be people who will have a, an idea of what you should be doing different. And he said, the one thing that, and the most important thing is at the end of the day, have you been faithful to do what God has put on the plate in front of you to do? And that has now become one of, one of the main litmus tests for me personally. Uh, give me all the feedback you want, but at the end of the day, I ask the Lord, God, have I done everything that you've put on the plate in front of me to do? And if I can, truthfully, openly, and honestly say yes, then it doesn't matter what anyone else might think of my ministry or what I've done or how I've, I've done it. Uh, all I know and all I really care is, God, am I doing what you've asked me to do faithfully? And am I doing it to the best of my ability? Um, so at the end of the day, that's kind of how I have peace. Um, it doesn't matter what you might say. It might be a really good thing that I need to hear, and I, and I thank you for that. At times, it might be something that was inappropriate or I didn't really help me personally, but I understand sometimes people just need to express themselves. Not everyone is good with words. Sometimes it's like a, a kettle pot that just boils and, and just it comes out and... Uh, and I'm okay with that. I understand not everyone has, you know, much experience in that one area. But I've just learned that everyone handles, you know, things differently. And now I just say, okay, thank you for sharing. And, and I sincerely mean that, whether it was helpful or not. Thank you for sharing what was on your heart. Because I value that it was on your heart. And now I take it and, and I, I say, God, um, where does this line up in everything that you've given me to do? Great. Amen. All right, our time is gone. So let me uh, ask you just one last question, and this is um, perhaps on behalf of uh, the congregation. Um, how can we best support you and your family as a pastor? That's a, a nice question. It's very kind of the church to offer. T take notes. Um, well, you know, it's 
the cliche Christian thing to say would be, we covet your prayers. Um, and we actually do. So I'll still say that. But I think the question leans a little more to the practical side of, like, how can we literally help you? Uh, one of the, if you've ever been here before a service, <laughs> uh, it feels, and you can interject and add at any time, it feels like uh, we're driving at 120 kilometers an hour, uh, full speed ahead from the moment we arrive at 8 a.m., let's say, till 10, 10.29 full speed like the engines roaring and then it's almost 10:30, and then it's like we slam the brakes because service is starting uh, this is internally what i feel like at least um, whether it's between uh, you know chasing after my kids making sure that they're not coloring on the the carpet or the pews or something crazy like that because you never know with kids right um so for me, if Priscilla's up here doing the rehearsal with the band, I, I'm trying to dig into the word. I'm just trying to give you a bit of context into internally what's going on. Um, and then we have three young kids, you know, and so they're still fairly needy. Um, so it would be just come up to me and say, Pastor John, is there anything that you need help with? And I know that's an open-ended question, but one week it might be, hey, Abigail just needs like someone to color with her. And I'm, I am thankful that there are a few of you that come and you actually take my children from me. Uh, I'm actually super grateful um, for that kind of assistance. Uh, but yeah, if, if, if some of you might want to make it your ministry. Just come early and say, Pastor John, can I do anything for you? Sometimes I'll have a ton of stuff. Other mornings it might be like no it's everything's good this week um, but I think practically that's probably the biggest stressor is uh, like a before service type of thing and then sometimes after the service um, like if we have to move chairs around or clean stuff up they're, they're simple practical but sometimes we just overlook or I forget to ask and everyone walks out and then I'm like oh yeah babe I'm sorry I forgot that we had to rearrange that whole room because there's an event or a function in there right after. Um, just give me 10 minutes and we'll stack all the chairs. And then my wife is, um, you know, entertaining three kids type of thing. So yeah. that, that, those are some practical ways for me personally. And I, I've said this to him many times, but a lot of what we do, we can't do without a lot of you. Um, I, I can't lead worship without some key people here who just love all my children and I immensely appreciated and I, I see it as an extension of their ministry um, which helps our ministry so we are it, we are very grateful if we don't say it enough we are very grateful to people who um, help us with our children um, and who love on them because that's I, I want them to feel loved when they come here and I, I would just say um, of course help but just um, just supporting the vision that God has given Jonathan Sometimes, even when he tells me some of the plans he has, and I'm thinking, are you sure, John? Like, if, if it's something that you question, believe you me, I've probably questioned it myself, <laughs> and I've shared it with him, but um, after talking to it and just talking to him and, and realizing this is the vision that God has given for maybe this ministry or for this season, and just um, I've learned to support him um, in that, which is not always easy, but just having the congregation to, you know, just support the vision that God has given has given um, him because it's not anything that we ever imagined us doing, and so it really is not a personal vision that we have. It's yeah. it's something that's more God given. So, um, yeah, supporting 
us, you know, when it comes to prayer meetings, Friday nights, or plan to protect sessions, or I don't know, women's ministry sessions, or men's sessions, breakfasts, or whatever it is, just supporting the events of the church and um, not just not just the social elements, yeah. the spiritual ones. Yeah, it's good. All right, well, I think we're past the 30-minute mark. Um, I hope this was helpful to you guys, just to get to know your pastors a little, little better. Um, with your permission, I, I wanted to um, pray for you guys before sure. we finish up, if that's okay. Um, I'm actually going to ask if, if you come down, um, the two of you down to the middle here. I think it's important, as, as John said, that we, uh, we pray for our pastors. And I say pastors because uh, whether Priscilla likes it or not, she's part of that. Um, if, if there's anybody that's, you don't all have to come up, if there's anybody that wants to come up and just to lay hands on the two of them, um, yeah, the deacons, the deacon board can come up if, if, uh, if you can, um, just to support this, these two, and, and we, need, we need to be praying for these guys. I'll ask all of you just to stand, if that's okay. Leanna, if you can come, I'm just going to ask you to pray over them, and uh, if you're comfortable, just stretch out a hand to the two of them, and uh, we just, we're just so thankful for our pastors. Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for this incredible opportunity we had this morning to get to know Pastor John and Priscilla better, to, to see their heart. And Father God, I want to just thank you so much for leading them to Weston Road Church. We thank you, Father God, that they are faithful servants. We thank you that they illustrate what it means to walk out a life as a disciple. And so, Father God, we, we are so filled with joy having them lead this church. Father God, I pray that you would continue to guide their every step, that you would fill them with strength, that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them peace and assurance to know that you have called them for a season such as this. I pray, Father God, that you would protect them, Lord Jesus, that wherever they might go, whether it's traveling, Father God, that they would know that you are their shield and their protector. We pray, Father God, for supernatural health. Lord, Lord, they've shared some of the, the things that they've been going through, but we just declare this morning that you are a healer. And so, Father God, may you finish the work that you have started. Father God, we just declare the supernatural healing in their life right now in the name of Jesus. We pray for supernatural provision that every need that they might have would be met in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father God. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would continue to, to give them your vision, Father God, that they would be guided by the Holy Spirit, Father God, that they would be so attuned to who you are that they would just feel you with them each day. Father God, I thank you for what you are doing in their lives and through their lives. Father God, I pray that every attack of the enemy falls short in the name of Jesus. We declare that you are good, Lord Jesus. And, and Father God, as they are your servant leaders, Lord, as they continually pour out, I pray that you would continually pour into them, that they would just overflow, Father God. We thank you for the example that they set before us.
We thank you for the plans that you have for their life. We pray, Father God, for their children, Josiah, Abby, and Nathan, Father God. We pray that they would continue to be brought up in your ways, that even at a young age, that you would plant those seeds, the, the desire to serve you for their whole life. Father God, we thank you what you are doing in those children, Lord. The joy that they are bringing, the connections, their friends that they have at school or in kids' church, Lord. We pray that they would influence their friends at a young age, Lord. That they would continue to invite their friends to church. That they would continue to shine that light bright for you. And Father God, we just pray that whatever challenges, whatever um people may have spoken discouragement into their lives. We reject it. We reject it, and this morning we declare who they are. Pastor John and Priscilla, you are chosen. You are called. You are anointed. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are victorious. He is for you and not against you. You are more than conquerors through Christ. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And we declare this in Jesus' name this morning because it is who he says you are. And so we reject any lies that the enemy might try to feed you. We reject it because he is under our feet. And so, Father God, I just thank you. I pray that you would bless them. Bless them, Father God, more than they can even imagine. And as the church, may we come and support them. May we come and do whatever it is that they need us to do. May we do it joyfully. May we do it knowing that we're not just doing it to help Pastor John and Priscilla, but we are doing it for the kingdom. It doesn't matter what ministry. It doesn't matter if we're washing floors. It doesn't matter if we're holding the kids. It doesn't matter because it is for you, Lord Jesus. And so, Father God, we just thank you. We thank you for this opportunity, and we just pray that you would continue to bless them and guide every single step. And we come together as the church, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.